Good morning. How's everyone doing this morning? Good. I got to tell you, uh, the Lord really has been has been stirring something in me, and and as you know, last week I had to call in a, a substitute, you know, and I know you had all the fun and games while the substitute was here, but now it's back to business. All right. And uh, man, I I got to tell you that I. You know, I wasn't feeling that well last week, but I really think that the Lord has taken uh, this week and has continued to, uh, to, to just to put this, this word in me. And I can't really describe to you uh, what is going on, but I'm here to tell you today that the Lord has been uh, putting uh, Dreams and, and, and visions in, into me that I have been seeing, and, and something something big is, is is taking place in in this church, and and I I don't know how or why or when it, it's going to take place, but I think before that we can get there, that we have to to grasp what we're talking about here today, and I really believe that the heart of the Lord is that His presence is in this place, and that His ministry would be done here at Oakton. And, and not only just at Oakton, but inside of each and every one of us. He is instilling something within us that is going to well up inside of us like a, like a fountain. And it's just going to start overtaking every inch of your life. But the truth is this morning is that we have to be willing to give it. You have to be willing to sacrifice your life to see that the work of the Lord is going to be done and not only in this place, but also in your life. So before we really dig into this, I want to go ahead and pray, and then, uh, and then we'll kind of get started here. But Father God, Lord, we just come to you this morning, Lord, and we thank you for meeting us here. Lord, it's a, it's a privilege for us to even be able to walk into your house and to be able to worship you, Lord. We thank you for your son, Jesus. Lord, we thank you that you so freely gave him to us, because Lord, without him, we wouldn't be able to be here. And Father, we just thank you for the blood. Lord, we thank you for your Holy Spirit that's here. Lord, we thank you that you're beginning to fill us and that you're beginning to mend us and you're beginning to make us into the people that you have called and divinely created us to be. And Lord, I just pray that today that your heart would just come alive in each one of us and that that our heart would begin to match yours. And Father, we just thank you for this day and we thank you for this time. We pray that you would just anoint it and bless it and be here with us in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Well, I really, a couple weeks ago, the Lord started, uh, he started putting something in, in me like I was talking about. We have a, a staff meeting uh, here every Tuesday morning at 8.30. And as, as I was praying uh, that morning, I asked the Lord, I said, Lord, I just, I need you to give me a, a word for your church. Like, what are you trying to say to us? What, what is going on here, Lord, that we need to understand a little bit better? And uh, he began to give this message to me, but uh, throughout this week, he's really been, uh, been adding to it and, and, and shaping and, and mending this to where hopefully it, it, it comes across as, as the exact heart that, that the Lord has for us. And, and I really believe this, but Norma had emailed me uh, the slides for, for Advent, and uh, for some reason, I couldn't ever get it off my mind, the, the word for, for this week, and it was wait. Waiting on the Lord. 
And, and I couldn't figure out why uh, this was meaning so much to me. And so I just sat down and I kind of started to draw it out. And, and I, I came to this conclusion that there's, there's two, different, two different types of waiting. There's, there's waiting for the return of our Lord, which I believe is, is what we're talking about here today. You know, we're, we're waiting on the Lord. We're, in Christmas, we're, we're talking about uh, the gift. We're appreciating the gift that God so freely gave to us, His Son, Jesus Christ. We're, we're thinking about this. We're meditating on it. And usually, like, our, our family goes to uh, the Christmas Eve service at 9 o'clock, and we have communion, and, and we're reflecting. And, and not only are we reflecting, but we're preparing our heart for one day that we believe that Jesus will come back. And, and, and we're actually physically waiting on the Lord to send his son back to us. But the other, the other kind of waiting that I feel like uh, we do is, and the best way that I can say it is, is that we have seasons of waiting. There's, there's times where uh, in, in life where we kind of have this, this period where it feels like nothing is really really happening. But yet at the same time, we're being prepared for uh, a, a new season of life. And we're going to kind of get into this today. Um, but what I want to, to emphasize here is, is that, you know, this, this thing that we're talking about is called waiting on the Lord. And I think the mistake is made sometimes that in, in waiting on the Lord what we're actually doing is we're waiting for the Lord to do something when and the truth is most of the time he's already done it. Amen. And, and we have to, to understand what this really means. So I, I looked up the, the word waiting, uh, you know, find the definition. I'm not a super, well, a super smart guy, so I got to find that dictionary and look it up and figure out what it means. And the definition says this. It says, waiting is the action of staying where one is or delaying action until a particular time or until something else happens. What's confusing is, is that it, it, it uses the word action. It is an action of waiting. So if I'm, if I'm waiting, a lot of times we think, well, I, I just sit down on the stage and I say, man, I really wish God would do something in here today. But, that, but that's not true. It, it's an action. And, and the reason that it's an action is because there is a, a preparation uh, uh, an action of preparation that takes place as we're waiting on the Lord. It, it's not that, that we're waiting on the Lord to do something in our life. He's waiting for the seed that he's planted in us to take root. And, and in that time, we're, we're actually uh, we're, we're growing. In, and sometimes in this, in this waiting for the Lord, we don't always, like people on the outside can't really see what's happening on the inside. And so I want to take you to, to a passage of Scripture because really to figure this out, we're going to have to figure out uh, exactly what God's heart is for us. And in Matthew chapter 18, or sorry, chapter 13, if you want to go there in verse 18, Jesus had, had told a parable uh, to a bunch of people. And, and of course, the disciple says this doesn't make any sense. I need you to explain it to me. So here is his explanation of this parable, and it says, Now listen to the explanation of the parable of the farmer planting seeds. The seed that fell on the footpath represents those who hear the message about the kingdom and don't understand it. Then the evil one comes and snatches that seed away uh, that was planted in their hearts. 
That seed that fell on rocky soil represents those who hear the message and immediately receive it with joy. But since they don't have deep roots, they don't last long. They fall away as soon as they have problems or are persecuted for believing God's word. The seed that fell among the thorns represents those who hear God's word, uh, but too quickly the message is crowded out by the worries of this life and and the lure of wealth, so no fruit is produced. The seed that fell on good soil represents those who hear and understand God's word and produce a harvest of 30, 60, or even 100 times as much as what has been planted. So to me, to understand waiting, we have to understand how God works. Because I was listening to something that actually Kent sent me by Mike Todd. He has a, he has a series called uh, Planted, Not Buried. And it's really good, and I encourage you to, to listen to that. But he makes a comment in there, and he says, we expect God to give us trees when really what he gives us is seeds. And there is this, this time period uh, of when a tree is beginning to take root that you can't actually see uh, physically what's going on because it's taking place uh, where no one else can see it. And so if, if, you, if you think about this, the reason that we're waiting on the Lord is confusing is that we're expecting fruit instead of looking for growth. And we measure so often in this life, we measure things by how big and how tall and how much they produce and, and what all they do. But the truth is, is that if, if you want to see growth, it, it's not just the tree, but it's the roots that are, that are holding it. Because a tree that doesn't have deep roots will never stand a storm. And, and what we have to, to grasp here this morning is that we're going to have to, to begin to, to let God's word and, and this, this thing that he's placed in our heart, we're going to have to begin to let it take control and, and not only just be a seed, not only just, you know, take a little sprout, but the roots of God's word begin to develop in our life. And they not only develop, but they grab hold and then they take grip of the ground and begin to expand. And whenever the roots expands, that's whenever the tree is going to expand. Does that make sense? Am, am I being clear with you this morning? But I want to I point this out too. It says in this passage of scripture that when a seed is planted, whenever God plants a seed in your life, Whenever he gives you a word, he gives you a revelation, he gives you a calling, whatever it is, whenever that's placed in your heart, he's expecting a multiple on what he gave. He doesn't just want the thing that he gave you back. He wants it to produce something. And it says in this scripture that it's 30, 60, or 100 times what was planted is what's expected of a good harvest. But we talk an awful lot about the harvest, but we don't talk a lot about the growth. And sometimes the growth isn't what everybody wants to go through. Most of the time, that's not what everyone wants to go through. Everyone wants to be the tree, but they don't want to go through the process of digging in in the roots. So I want you to think about this. Gary Dumb actually uh, said this to me, so you know it's wise advice since Gary told me it. But he told me whenever we were in Liberia that his favorite time to watch the corn grow is, is whenever it has, you know, it began to grow and then there's that period there where it grows a couple feet. And he said you can literally, like you can watch 
this thing grow. And we think about, like we have a, a huge tree in our front yard. You know, you think about, man, look how big this thing is. Look how, uh, I mean, it produces stuff, I mean, year after year after year, and it's been there longer than I've been alive. And it's crazy, but the truth is, is that if we want to see the growth of corn, if we want to see uh, the growth of the tree, what we should really be looking at is how deep its roots are. Because like this tree, for instance, this tree is, is beautiful. But the truth of the matter is, and it would make Amanda really mad. But if I walked up to this tree and I just gave it a little push, the whole thing would topple over. And the, the, the point of it all is that we as Christians a lot of times are expecting God to plant a tree down. But the truth is, is what he's really going to give is a seed. Because whenever that seed begins to grow and it begins to dig into the ground, that's whenever it's going to have structure. The reason that our tree in our front yard has, has been there for so long is because its roots are so deep that it can withstand a storm. But we have to be, to be willing in, in our own faith, in our own walk, to withstand and, and to be uh, deep enough that we're not just surface deep Christians. Because if, there, if I plant a tree, you know, let's say I put some dirt here and I plant a tree right on top of it, it may be able to have some roots that go down a little ways. But once they get to this concrete floor, they're not going to grow anymore. And a lot of times in, in the word uh, that God has given us, he has placed in our heart, it, it begins to kind of take root and it begins to grow a little bit. But sometimes there's, there's rocks and there's uh, concrete underneath that's keeping it from, from taking root. And we have to be willing to rip those things out of the way in order for, for, the, for the word and the seed that God has given us to be able to grow. And I want to talk to you uh, the, this morning about, it seems like if I'm going to talk about uh, people in the Bible, usually I'm going to talk about David or I'm going to talk about Moses. And today we're going to talk about David because to me, the reason I love David so much is that he was known to be a man that was after God's own heart. And I want to be a man that's after God's own heart. And I think we all we all want to be someone who's after God's own heart. So I want you to, to look at this, this story in, in 1 Samuel 16, if you want to turn there. And I, I'm not going to read uh, all of this to you, but really what I want you to do today is I want you to write down these scriptures that we're going to talk about, because we may not be able to read as much as we need to read. Write them down. Go home and, and, and read them and, and see what kind of revelation God is going to give you about this because there's, there's details that we're not going to have time to talk about today. But I want you to, to fully grasp this because the Lord is trying to get us to take hold of what we're talking about here. So in, in, in chapter 16, there's this guy named Samuel and he's uh, been anointed to anoint the kings of Israel. And it says in the scripture that Saul had been rejected as king. So since he was rejected as king, a new king must be anointed. And the Lord tells Samuel, hey, I want you to go to Bethlehem. You're going to find this guy named Jesse, and he has a bunch of sons. And you go there, and I will show you the one to anoint. So Samuel goes, and, and he meets with, uh, with all these guys, and he sees Jesse's first son. And he's the biggest, he's the strongest, he's the best looking, you know, like me out all the Mayberries, you know. The, the big and the best looking, you know, and uh, I'm getting some dirty looks over there now. But uh, and so he he goes and he looks at this old brother and he says, surely this is the one, Lord, that you want to anoint. And the Lord says, no, he isn't the one, 
Because actually, you guys look at, you humans look at things from an outward perspective. You look at physical appearance, you look at size, you look at shape, but the only thing that I look at is the heart. And this guy isn't it. And so he says, okay, well, maybe we'll go to the second son, you know, we'll go to the second best. And uh, he goes to him, and it's not him either. And he goes to the third, and it's not him either. And finally, he goes through all of Jesse's sons, and none of them were the ones that God wanted to anoint. And so Samuel says to Jesse, he says, hey, do you have any other sons? And he said, yeah, um, the youngest, but he's out in the field tending to the sheep. And so they send for him, and, and he comes, and his name is David. And as soon as, as uh, Samuel sees David, the Lord tells him, this is the one that I want to anoint. So in other words, they went and got the, the most scrawny, the youngest, the one doing the least important job, but yet he was the one that God wanted to anoint. And so he anoints him. And, and what I think should be, should be captured in this is that David's job, as soon as he was anointed as king, wasn't to be king right then. His job didn't immediately change. He got to go and play the harp for Saul because the spirit was tormenting Saul and he got to go play the harp for him. But it says that every night he went home. He went home to his father and served his father and was still a shepherd in the field. In other words, he was doing still the least important job in the house. And he was still doing things that his older brothers didn't have to do. And uh, so... As we kind of keep this in mind, one of the most famous, if not the most famous Bible story uh, of all time is David and Goliath, and that's in chapter 17. And uh, we find all of David's, most of his older brothers were out fighting uh, for Israel. And of course, you know, David is still being David. He's still serving. He's still doing the things his father told him to do. And his father said, hey, why don't you go take lunch to all your brothers? And so he does what his dad told him to do, just like he always does. And he goes and, and he gets in front of uh, his, he finds these, uh, these different soldiers, and, but he sees this uh, really tall Philistine down there, and his name was Goliath, and he was nine foot tall. And he sees him and he says, why is he cursing our God? Why is he causing all of you to tremble in fear? And he starts talking and his older brother happens to, happens to find him. And he says, why are you asking about that Philistine? That's, that's not your job. Why don't, you, why don't you go back to the house and, and tend to your sheep? So in other words, uh, it, he was doing this least important job and, and his brother was letting him know that he was the least important even though that he was God's anointed. And so David uh, obviously doesn't listen to his older brother and he goes in front of Saul and he says, Saul, I'm going to kill that guy. I'm going to kill him because he is doing what is opposite to our Lord. He is cursing our Lord, and I'm not going to stand for it. This guy who's five foot tall against a a nine foot tall guy. And what's interesting is that David actually uses the very thing that his older brother used to tell him he was disqualified. He used that very thing to justify why he was going to kill Goliath. He said, in all my time of tending to the sheep, I have killed lions and bears. And if the Lord can deliver me from them, then I will go kill this Philistine. And I know that he will deliver me from him too. 
So the very thing that people were telling him he was disqualified from was the very thing that he used to justify why he was going to do what he was going to do. And, and in that, man, I, I really think we see uh, this story and we think about him you know, becoming this mighty warrior. But the truth is, is that he didn't become a mighty warrior here. He became a mighty warrior whenever he was doing the least important job, being the most ridiculed, and being the youngest in his father's house. He wasn't in a, in a, in a place of honor. But that very reason why his older brother told him, you go play with the sheep, was the very reason that his older brother wasn't qualified to be king. Because the, the thing is, is that, and, and I really believe this about every spectrum of life, but just like me being up here today, honestly, I'm, I am not deserving or worthy to stand up here and speak in front of all of you unless I'm willing to vacuum the floor. And, and the truth is, is that if you don't have the heart from the bottom all the way to the top, then you're not worthy for the top. And that's the way that it works. And, that, and the heart that David had, he said, I don't, I'll serve. I'll serve my father. I, if, it's in, if it's in the field or if it's, if it's on the battlefield, I, I, I don't care. I'm, I'm going to serve and I'm going to be whoever my father needs me to be. And, and that's, that's to me is, is the heart and the difference uh, between David and his older brother. And really, I think that a lot of us feel this way. You know, we say, you know, hey, I'm, I'm doing the least important job. I'm doing, uh, you know, the, the least of these things. I'm the least in my father's house. I'm this, I'm that, and the other. But the truth is, is that what's happening in what you're doing is that God is putting something inside of you. I don't care where you are in life. You always say, God, if you really ask him and you really look to him and you say, God, I know that you have put something more in my heart than what I am doing right now. I don't care where you are in life. And the truth of the matter is, is that he is. He does have have something more that he so divinely created you to do. But the truth is, is that what you're doing now will determine how far you go. Because just like we're talking about with these trees, the seed that's planted, if we don't let the roots go down deep whenever no one else is watching, if we're not willing to do the work that no one else is going to see, then our roots aren't going to be deep enough for our tree to withstand a storm. And a tree, if it produces too much fruit and doesn't have deep enough roots to hold it there, it's going to topple over and it's going to die. And we want to be planted. We want to be this tree. But just like Mike Todd said, man, God doesn't give us trees. He gives us seeds. And, and we're going to have to take a hold of, of what we're talking about here. And I want to read you a, a scripture here in, in Romans. Romans chapter 5. Romans chapter 5 verse 3 says this. We can rejoice, too, when we run into problems and trials, for we know that they help us develop endurance. And endurance develops strength of character, and character strengthens our confidence and hope in salvation. And this hope will not lead to disappointment, for we know how dearly God loves us because he has given us the Holy Spirit to fill our hearts with his love. See, the thing is, is that sometimes 
you know, whenever God has put something inside of you, and it's beginning to, to come, and it's beginning to, to grow, and it's beginning to produce fruit, sometimes, like, you'll end up like David, and you'll end up saying things that don't even physically make sense sometimes. Like, he told that giant that, I'm going to cut your head off. But when he went to confront him, he didn't even bring a sword. And it's just like, you know, the difference between, between David and, and what we're doing is, is that a lot of times we try to fight flesh to flesh. Like if, if we're talking about, you know, in one corner we have David and in the other corner we have Goliath and we're going to match up the stats to him, Goliath is going to win every time. But there's something different whenever we're fighting spirit to flesh or yet spirit to spirit. The truth is, is that David was anointed. He already had authority and the Philistine that was in his way was breaking the law. He already had the right. And all he did was take the authority that he knew that God didn't want that Philistine down there, you know, cursing his name and, and causing a problem for Israel. He knew God didn't want that. And so inside of him says, it doesn't matter what it's going to cost me. It doesn't matter how big the giant is. It doesn't matter how big the storm is. God, I'm, I'm going to kill that guy. And to me, that's faith. We, we look at this, and, and just like we read here, it says we can rejoice, too, when problems and trials come. That's something that doesn't make sense. Why would I rejoice whenever trials and problems come? And the truth is, is that whenever a storm rolls through and it's trying to knock down the tree, the trees that are still standing are going to even get nourishment from the storm. And it's the truth, I believe, that God wants us to be able to produce fruit in every season. God is, is, is putting something in us. He is a flow of living water that will forever produce fruit. But we have to be willing to stop looking at what's happening up here and stop wanting to be uh, the, the tree or the whatever it is that's up here. And I have to take care of and do what no one else can see. I really believe this, and I'm not saying this for me, but I remember before I ever even worked here, um, one of my favorite places to be was right here whenever no one else was. I'd come and lay on this stage and turn off the lights and just listen to the Lord. And I really believe that some of my deepest roots in my life were built on the time whenever I was here and no one knew I was here, rather than the times that you see you know, me stand up here and, and talk about something that the Lord said. The root was here. The result is up here. And the truth is, is that in every spectrum of life, what you are doing whenever no one else is looking, whatever you're producing or, or however you're letting that seed get planted in your life, it's going to affect how big and how strong and how much fruit your tree is going to produce when no one else is looking. And I hope that I'm, I'm drilling this home to you. But the truth is, is that whenever we're tested, whenever we're uh, you know, thrown obstacles, whenever we're thrown a storm, the truth is, is that what's done whenever no one else is looking is, is how strong that we're going to continue through the storm, if that makes sense. But a lot of people want to be like this beautiful Christmas tree and just want to be put here. But in reality, what 
if we wanted that tree to continue to grow and to be bigger and to produce more fruit and all this different stuff, we would have created an atmosphere where we could have planted a seed and watched it grow. And the thing is, is that David, man, David was going through stuff and something was happening in him that not even his own brother recognized. His own brother didn't even see this, this transpiring because he told him, go play with the sheep. And the truth of the matter is, is that the, the real change that's happening in somebody what, or what you're doing when no one else is looking is, is going to be seen on the, on the big stage. Because had David not took the time to dwell in the house of the Lord, had David not took the time as he was uh, tending to these sheep to love and to worship and to grow closer to the Lord, you wouldn't have seen the results that you saw on the battlefield. And it's the same with us here. You know, how often do we hear, you know, a, a good message or I see it all the time on, on some of the uh, videos, like you watch someone's sermon, you know, everyone says, wow you know, whenever they're talking, but how often does that wow actually turn into fruit? And the truth is, is that the revelation, the the very word of God that he is entrusting in us, the salvation that he is giving to us, and every ounce of who he is and his heart, any calling or anything like that that he's placing in your heart, he is entrusting that you are going to create an atmosphere in your heart that will take that seed and it will do something with it. The, man, if I threw a, a tree seed right here on this concrete, it's not going to grow. And in the very way, if we aren't preparing our heart, if we're not waiting on the Lord, if we're not taking these opportunities, man, to, to let that seed, man, just get planted and let those roots in our life begin to grow, what are we doing? You know, your, our relationship with the Lord is never going to be where he wants it to be. David was the least qualified, the least important, the least masculine in his whole entire father's house. And yet he was the one that God chose. And the truth is, is that, you know, God wants all of us. Every single one of us, he, he wants your heart. He wants you to have the heart that, that loves him more than anything else in this life. But the truth is, is that not everyone is willing to give it. And until we're uh, letting, letting this come alive in us and we're waiting on the Lord in a, in a way of, of preparation, then the seed that we're given isn't going to be nurtured. And a lot of us are going through a time and a season where Maybe nobody else is seeing the results that, of what's happening on the inside of you. And, but the, the truth is, is, and Mike Todd said something like this too. He says, uh, you know, you can't Instagram character. You know, you can't take a picture of something that's completely transpiring on the inside. But what I want to encourage you with today is that I feel like that, that we are all right on the edge of being and, and, and mending and letting our heart be in the shape where the Lord is going to do something in this church and do something in each one of you that we haven't seen.
And I could go on about the different dreams and different things that I feel like the Lord has been showing me, but the truth is, is that you need to ask him yourself. Because the thing that he's putting in here, you have to start investing in. You have to start taking the time to make sure that what's placed in your heart is going to be cultivated and it's going to be placed in a way that's going to enable it to grow. And this is crazy, but the truth is, did you know that um, repenting can actually be fun? Seems silly, right? I mean, you're kind of like, well, man, I did something wrong again, yada, yada, yada. You know, my wife's going to yell at me again, yada, yada. You know, and, but the truth is, is that repenting can be fun because what it is, is it's a seed. Uh, there's a seed in your heart that's, that's began to take root. And as it begins to grow, there's, there's a rock that's in the way that's keeping it from going a little bit deeper. And we get the opportunity to take that rock and pull it out of the way and let that root continue to grow just a little bit deeper. And then you realize, man, my, my faith just got a little bit stronger. My roots got a little bit deeper. That storm that's coming, it's not going to take me. And then my tree is going to begin to grow. And really, I, we could use Moses as an example too, but we're not even going to go there. But I really think, I, like I said, whenever I was in here uh, during our our prayer meeting uh, that Tuesday, I asked the Lord for, for a word for, for Oakton. And as I, he took me to chap, Ezekiel chapter 36 and 37. And as I began to read this in, in 36, I just started, literally the, the things are, are jumping off the page and I'm beginning to see uh, a lot of the things that not only Oakton's going through, but people are going through that I'm going through and I see all this stuff. And, and at the end of it, I have this, this image of, I don't even know why, but it's like one of those uh, old Civil War paintings, you know, after a battle. You know, you see uh, people laying everywhere, you see cannons and torn flags and all this different stuff, and you just get this image. And, and Ezekiel is taken to uh, this valley of, of dry bones, and, and he's told to stand before it, and, and I have this, that Civil War picture in my mind. And he is God tells Ezekiel, he said, you stand up and you speak to those bones and you tell flesh to men to flesh and you tell, that, you tell my spirit, my, my very presence to enter in and, and to breathe into them and they'll come to life. And I think the, the very same thing has is, is happened, happened to us. You know, a lot of us, you know, personally, you know, or however, Storms of life have come and tried to knock down every inch of everything that we are, every, every inch of, of the tree that, man, that we've had planted, whether it's your salvation, whether it's whatever it is, something's come and trying to rock your world. And the truth is, is that if we aren't taking the time to make sure that our roots are dug deep, we're never going to see the results that we're trying to see. But we focus way, way, way too much on how the fruit is doing, how tall the tree is, how much it's producing, rather than seeing the health of the tree underneath and how deep the roots are. And we have to, to change uh, the, the way that, that, we're, that we're looking at this. We have to get our, our roots not growing a bigger tree, but our roots digging deeper. We have to continue to want more. 
We have to continue to press in. We have to continue to let our roots sink so deep that they're in the crane in the world that Larry Compton owns that could pull that tree up from the ground. Does that make sense? We have to let the word of God stick. And not just stick, but man, whenever he plants that, to create a multiple. Something more with what he has given us. I believe that's, that's what he expects from us today. And what he's given and everything that you know and everything that he's planted in your heart, he's expecting a multiple on it. But the truth is, is that you look at your tree and say, well, maybe, maybe, it's, maybe it's not producing what it should. Maybe my tree is not as, as big as somebody else's. You know, maybe I am trying to get, want to be married and man, I can't find a dude that's, that's good enough. Or a dude that I, I like. You know, we measure trees compared to everyone else's. We measure fruit to everyone else's. But the truth of the matter is, is that what we have to focus on first is getting our roots in a place that are healthy and our roots that are a place that are strong enough to withstand all this other stuff. You know, you can look at a tree and say, man, it's big and has all this fruit and all that stuff, but I guarantee you that its roots are way wider than the fruit that it has. And in the same way, we have to, we have to get there in our faith. We have to let our faith be wider and stronger and deeper than any storm that we'll ever withstand. You know, waiting on the Lord may not seem uh, like a lot of fun. You know, it's not a picture that you can post on Facebook. You know, it's not all this other stuff that we have in, in this life. But I'll tell you the truth, that this time of preparing, this time of waiting, this time of seeking, this time of growing should be our highest priority. But a lot of times it's not. It's, it's the fruit uh, that we look for. It's the harvest that we look for. It's, the, it's how big the tree is that we look for. But the truth is, is that we have to get to a place to where we want the roots to grow deeper than we want the tree to go higher. And until we get there, we're going to keep missing it. And I, I've been missing it. Man, we have to let those roots continue to go deeper and deeper and deeper and deeper because the Lord wants us to go higher and higher and higher and higher. But we can't just want the higher and not want the, the lower. Does that make sense? So as the, as the praise team begins to play, I, uh, I just want you to think about that. You know, think about how, how deep am I really letting my roots go? You know, are there, are there things that are keeping me from going deeper? Is, is there a four foot, you know, is there a concrete barrier four foot deep? What needs to be broke up? What needs to be mended? You know, because I, I really believe that even though that a lot of us have gone through a pretty tough season, I know for a fact that the Lord is going to do something that's bigger than, than the storm that blow through. But we have to be willing to not quit, to keep pushing, to keep fighting, to keep digging, and keep growing. And as soon as that season gets right, that tree that's well-rooted, man, it's going to blow up. It's going to blossom. But we have to be willing to grow down here when no one can see it. No one knows what's going on. And you have to let the Lord do his thing.